0: Well, if you have your Bibles or your Westover app, join me right now, uh, and we'll be in Psalm 135. We're in a series entitled, Again. And this series is reminding us there are things that we can, should do again. I read an article this past week. Uh, Somebody was reflecting. They wrote it last year, and it was about last year. And they said in the article they wrote last year, about last year, that that was the worst year of their life. Little did they know this year was coming. (laughs) Uh, And this year, uh, this year is a leap year. We're going to have one more day of it than we'd bargain for. Can you imagine? I mean, uh, of all years to have an extra day. Of all years to have an extra day. And it feels... It feels frustrating, doesn't it? Now l- l- let me uh, English teachers, English teachers, stay with me. You know this. Their the adjectives frustrated and frustrating. Frustrated represents and speaks to how you feel. If something's annoying you and upsetting you, you are frustrated. If something isn't working or somebody isn't cooperating, you say they are frustrating. I don't know about you, but I'm both frustrated and I'm having frustrating things happening in my life right now. Uh, it just seems like we're getting a double dose of that. Don't you wish that stress would burn calories? We would have all lost weight this year. That, that, that would have been good news. You ever felt like you just wanted to put an out-of-order sign on your life? It's just not working like right now. It's, we're kind of on the... Ragged edge of life. I was driving here close to the church the other day. I was driving down the road, and I saw that sad but oh, familiar sight that right in the middle of the road, evidently was crossing the road, was a squirrel that had been hit. Not, not, the squirrel was not alive. He had already gone to squirrel heaven, okay? <laughs> but not only had the squirrel been hit, it had been run over. So I mean, it was flat. You know, you've seen that before? And I said to God, God, that's how I feel. I I just feel like this year had just, you know, everything is just one on top of the other. And perhaps some of you feel that way. Some of you came into this room, some of you at home sitting, and you're saying, I feel hopeless, hopeless. Hopelessness is facing a challenge in life without God. Anytime you feel hopeless, you're not seeing the God equation in your situation. And I want to remind us today that God is the solution to the chaos in our life. God is the solution to the chaos in America. God is the one that can heal the breach God is the one that can heal the divide. God is the one that can heal the polarization in politics. America needs a touch from God. America needs to return to God. The Holy Spirit's job description is to draw every one of us closer to him. The Holy Spirit's job description is to draw you closer to God. I received a phone call. It was yesterday. And I was in conversation with a family in the church, and he said, "Uh, I I need to put my son on the phone. He needs to talk to you, 15 years old. He got on the phone, and we just began to talk. And the 15-year-old began to explain an encounter he had, an experience he had just a couple weeks ago. He said, Pastor, I was listening to your sermon. He admitted, most of the time I don't listen to what you're saying. <laughs> he said, but I was in 15-year-old. He said, I never had an experience like this in all my life. Everything you said felt like it was speaking right to my heart. Everything you said seemed to unpack and describe what I was going through. He said at the end of the message when you went into prayer, and by the way, they were in a church online experience. He said, I begin to pray. And then he said, I begin to cry. And he said, and he, and he qualified, he said, I, I just don't do this. That's not like me. I just, I've never done that before. But he said, for 45 minutes, I couldn't stop crying. What happened to me, he said. And I told the young man, you had an encounter with God. You had a life-changing encounter with God. You, you came to the crossroads of your need and God's visitation. The Holy Spirit's job description is to draw every one of us closer to God. He on to say, what should I do next? Get water baptized? I said, absolutely, you're tracking the right way. But his life was transformed in one moment because he found God. I want to speak this weekend on the thought, return again. Return again. There's some of us that need to return again. The Holy Spirit is speaking to some of us. We've wondered. We've allowed, we've allowed COVID to erase four years of spiritual growth. We've allowed life prior to COVID and and, and distractions to pull us away from God, and COVID has been our spiritual wake-up call, and we've sensed the Holy Spirit calling us back, and the message is, return again. I invite you to join me in Psalm 135. We're going to examine a few verses in this chapter, but let me give you a A little bit of insight to the chapter. The author of Psalm 135 writes this song, and the Psalms are actually a song, writes this song, and what's interesting about Psalm 135, there is not one verse or lyric in this song that is brand new. Everything in Psalm 135 is quoted somewhere else in the book of Psalms or somewhere else in the Bible. There's not one new thing. There's not a lyric. There's not a stanza. There's not a word. There's not a thought that is original, that's brand new. It's all a returning again. The songwriter, the author reached a moment in which he didn't need a new song, he returned to the song that God had already given him. God awoke in his life, and he began to recall, I remember this blessing, and I sing that song. And then he goes on to another verse, and I remember when God said this, and this promise, and this prophecy, and out of what God had done in the past, it created the song for where he was at. There's times we need to return again. There's things that God has done in your life. There's things God has spoken. There's, there's moments, there's miracles, there's provisions. And God is calling you back to that moment. Some of us, both church online and here in the room, we're out of touch with God. God. We've wandered, we've drifted. Our life is not fruitful. We have waning spiritual passion. You're experiencing profound emotional fatigue. You feel drained spiritually. And when I was preparing the message and I, I wrote down return again, the first thing I put down that had been in my heart for the some two weeks this message been prepared in my heart. I wrote this before I wrote anything else about this sermon is I call you back to the God of your youth. I call you back to the God of your youth. I'm talking about the time in which you could not describe the things of the Lord without tears coming to your eyes. About the time that you you would read Scripture and Scripture would so inspire you and you would have to share the verse, It, it was bubbling over and you would tell people, I read this in the Bible and God spoke to me and And you you talked with fondness and celebration about all that God had done in your life. And it was a living reality. And it seems that you had the aroma, the freshness of God's presence all the time. I call you back to the God of your youth. A time when in a youth camp, a youth service, or your early spiritual experience, you couldn't wait to get to church. Worship for you was never long enough. The sermon was never long enough. You had such a hunger and a yearning and a a drive for the things of God, but you don't feel that way anymore. Return again. Return again. And the life of a believer that walks with God, Satan, Satan is powerless. And the life of a believer that walks with God, Satan is powerless, but in a life with broken fellowship with God, Satan has authority. And some of us are wondering why, God, I believe this about the Bible, but I'm seeing the havoc and the wreck and the the carnage, the trauma in my life, in my family and what's going on? How, how did that how did that happen? It could be indicating broken fellowship with God. Be careful. Be careful in this season, church online and those in the house that social distancing doesn't result in spiritual distancing. Wow. wow, there are times. We need a Psalm 135. We need to sing the song and return to what God spoke to us and what God put in our heart. Join me, 135, verse number 1, and we'll read a few verses. It begins by saying, praise the Lord, praise the name of the Lord, praise him, you servants of the Lord, who minister in the house of the Lord and the courts of the house of our God. The refrain, praise the Lord. But as I read it, I was caught by this phrase. He's saying, you need to praise the Lord, those of you who minister in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the Lord. And I began to ask of the text, why does he say that? You would think anyone in the court of the Lord, in the house of the Lord, would be there for worship but did the author go to the temple sometime and he saw the priest or the ministers and those who attend to the things of God and he didn't see the joy and didn't see the freshness in their spirit and it was duty and not devotion. Did he recognize, was was it a wake-up call? You can be in the house of the Lord doing the religious things, but miss the divine presence upon your life. It's possible to go to church and be out of touch with God. Yes. You can be in church and have a Bible app on your phone and be out of touch with God. Let's continue reading verse number 3. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good. Sing praise to his name, for that is pleasant. The Lord has chosen Jacob as his own in Israel to be his treasured possession. I noticed something in those verses. He said, Praise is good and praise is pleasant. The antithesis of good and pleasant is unfair and dissatisfied. When we worship and we're praised, we're in in God's presence. We say, God is good. But if we ever lose the touch of God, you'll begin to say, God's unfair to me. That's not fair. You go from good to God, it's not fair. And you go from it's pleasant to dissatisfaction. I wonder rhetorically does that represent any of us in the room? He continues verse number five through verse number seven, and he's going to tell us. Now, verse one and two, you begin with worship, but guess what? If you'll begin with praise, you'll end with blessing. He said, I know the Lord is great. And the Lord is greater than all gods. The Lord does whatever pleases him. In the heavens and on the earth and the sea and the depths. He makes the cloud to rise from the ends of the earth. He sends lightning with the rain and he brings out the wind from his storehouses. Now we think that's just poetical use of words. He brings the winds and the rains out of his storehouse. But what we need to understand... The ancients lived in an agrarian culture. It was their economy. How they provided for their family. Their livelihood was their crops. And their, they would till the soil and plant. And then they would harvest. And they would feed their family out of that. And take the extra to the market. And sell it. And provide that. That was their job. Their career. Their livelihood. That was their economy. And God spoke to them in words that represented their economy. Here's what God is saying. Verse number one, if you praise me and there's a sense of the freshness of the presence of the Lord in your life, if you'll return to me, you'll find God is good and God is pleasant. And I, God, he said, will open the storehouse of my blessing. Let me put it in our vernacular. God is saying, I'll see you through college. I'll take care of your career. I'll take care of your economy. I'll take care of your kids. I'll take care of your future. I'll watch. I have storehouses. For everything you're hurting, I have a storehouse that can bring life to you if you'll just set God as the priority. Allow me to share a thought with us and I'm going to build upon it. And it's this thought. Praise, praise invites God's presence into our life. If you're searching for God, if you're trying to reconnect with God, If you're you're trying to refresh your walk with God, praise invites God's presence in your life. Verse 1 and 2, praise the Lord, praise you the Lord, his servants of the Lord. That phrase, praise the Lord, occurs 75 times in the book of Psalms. The word praise the Lord in the Hebrew is hallelujah. When you say hallelujah, you're speaking Hebrew. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an international word now, but it, it was a Hebrew word, and it's translated in the English Bible, praise the Lord, but it's, it's the Hebrew word hallelujah. How did we get the word hallelujah? How did that word come about? For the linguistics and the wordsmiths in the room, it's called an automatic peak. An automatic peak. It's a phrase, it's a word we use to describe a word or a phrase that represents a sound. An example meow. We have a word meow, but it represents the sound, the sound of a what? A cat. An automata is a beep beep, it's the sound of a horn. It's a phrase, it's a word that was created to represent a sound. Sss, a hissing sound to represent a snake. Scholars believe the word hallelujah. Is an automatic peak. It was a phrase in the vernacular of the ancients. It comes from the word halal, the first part of hallelujah. For you see, halal was a phrase that they would just spontaneously say at a moment of celebration. For example, if you heard your wife was expecting a baby... And you would tell your friend, they would go, Halla. It's a it's a, good news. It's like saying, whoopee, great, great, wonderful. Halla. If if your goat gave birth to three more goats, or no, actually, goats don't sheep give birth. Let me get all that gender stuff right here, okay? <laughs> and you say, Oh, we were expecting one, but you know, the the gave birth to five lambs. And they say, Halla! Good news for you. It's great. It's a celebration moment. If, if you, somebody, you were to tell somebody, you know the rains were good this year and my crop produced more than, than normally have and we'll have enough to feed our family and a little extra, they would say, hallelujah. it was a celebration. It was something they just said to describe an experience. Scholars believe the word hallelujah was built on the halah and they added to the suffix of that J-A-H, which stands for the, the name Jehovah, the name of God. Hence, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God, praise the Lord. It was a common phrase they added God to. God is always trying to step in our everyday life. God is wanting to step into your life. He's wanting to be in your halah. God wants to show up and be the luya. God wants to step in every category, every domain, every aspect of your life. God will show up if you'll invite him in. God wants to be in the everyday of your life. Praise invites God's presence into our life. And I'm here to call us, return again at God. At God. You see, for some of us, there was a time everything we did, we prayed about, we sought God out but we some of us have got to this comfortable season or have fallen into the the unfortunate habit of we make our plans and God's not at the center of it and psalm 135 calls us back to him i invite you to return again and the best way to return to him is praise I, if, if, if you will keep your heart in praise, you keep your spirit in touch with God. For you see, praise is the pivot point. Praise is the pivot point. Many of us, we came in today and we're, we're wondering about wrapping up September and wondering how October will be. We're doing inventory in our minds. Some of us have set through service and we're wrapping up the month. We're calendaring things. Some of us have been on our electronic device and we've, we, we're checking this on Facebook or we're checking on that and we're doing calendar and where we've been on Outlook in our mind and we're, we're going through the motion, almost like the opening of, of Psalm 135. You that are in the house of the Lord, the court of the Lord, come on into his presence. Praise the Lord. Praise is the pivot point. Praise is that pivot point. You know, no one can worship God for you? That's right. Yes, the Spotify can't worship God for you. Yeah. You can have it in the background, but it's not worship until you step into God's presence. And with your life and with your heart, you sing and make melody, as Ephesians 5:19 says, you sing and make melody in your heart unto the Lord. I find it interesting. Scripture says for us to sing and make melody, make songs of praise unto the Lord. Isn't it interesting what cardiologists, they use musical terminology to describe the heart. The cardiologist or the doctor will listen. He said, your heart is in beat. Isn't that interesting? That's exactly what the musicians describe it when they're putting together the worship. They say, we've got to be on the right beat. And then the cardiologist will tell you, you know what? We've got to make sure your heart is in rhythm. Hmm. There's a rhythm section up here. They use musical terms to describe the heart. And the Bible says we're to sing and make melody in our heart unto the Lord. And I'm going I'm to invite you to return unto the Lord. Don't let anything rob Your worship, don't let anything rob the closeness of God's presence in your life. Don't let anything distract you from that passion. Keep your heart pure and set on God. For those of you that have been with us to the Holy Land, you have seen this scene. It's at what's called the Western Wall, sometimes called the Wailing Wall, the Wall of Prayer. If you haven't been to the Holy Land, no doubt you probably have seen this in a news clipping or a documentary sometime of Israel or the Holy Land. But the Orthodox Jew, when they pray, and this is particularly shown and and displayed when they're at the the Western Wall, and they approach the Western Wall wall with the Torah in their hand, and the Orthodox Jew will begin to pray, The, the, the Jewish person will always sway back and forth like this. When they're praying when they're talking to god why do they do that Why do they do that because they say their life mimics and represents the flame on a candle and the candle is never static it's always moving it's always directing there's there's always generating and it's it's moving and and vibrating back and forth and and uh it's always in motion. And they say when we, the Jewish the Orthodox Jews say when you talk to God, when you're in God's presence, you're not steady. That you must be aflamed and you must be passionate and your whole being. That's why the scripture says, and worship the Lord with your whole heart and your whole being. Your whole being. And I want to speak to a moment to our men in the room. I want to speak to them. Men, sometimes that is an, that's an uncomfortable place for us to be. And we can think that we're in the presence of the Lord and we're worshiping because we're reading the words and following the words on the screen. And reading the words is not worship until your heart engages God Until it's personal between you and the Lord. When it's a moment and when it's no longer words on the screen, it's the meditation and it's the expression of your heart and you personalize it. And God, I'm going to say, Jesus, Jesus, you're my living hope. You're my salvation. God, you're good and we express it. That is true worship. And that's what God calls us to. And I invite you to experience that return again. The Holy Spirit's job description is to draw us closer to the Lord. And I've discovered in life, anytime God asks me from, for something, it's because God wants to do something for me. And for some of us men, I, 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 I'm going I'm to send this invitation out. Your next growth point is your worship. Your next growth point is your worship. To experience the living presence of God. As that young man said at 15, he had an encounter with God and he described it. Pastor, I don't know what it was, but I felt the warm presence of the God, of God come upon me. I just felt something that something inside of me that I had never felt before. I invite you to experience God. And I say again for some of us, return. Return to the God of your youth. Return to the passion you had. Return to the fervency you once experienced. Because if God is calling you to Him, there is something God wants to do for you and in you. Allow me to segue this moment, can I? For everyone, for all of our Westover family here in the room and church online, I sense that God is wanting and inviting us to a deeper experience. God is beckoning us to draw closer to Him. God is inviting us. We, some of us, we said, you know what, uh, last year that it was going to be this year. This year I'm going to volunteer. This year I'm going to get in a life group. This year I'm going to take that step. You know, last year I was busy and I was wrapping up a course or I, I had to I had to get that promotion under my belt and then this year came and now you're saying next year or the year after and you're in a wasteland of two, three years of not stepping into a deeper moment with God. I'm going to ask you to remember again what God spoke to you. Have a Psalm 135. What did God speak to you when it prompted your heart you were going to make that commitment and you were going to do it? Sing that song again. Remind yourself of what God told you and step in. And one way of spiritual growth is life group. And what God can do in your life when you get connected in fellowship and community. I want you to hear the story of the Rico family and what God did in their life by being connected.
1: Hi, I'm John Rico.
2: And I'm Amanda Rico. So, for us, I think what led us to being a part of a life group, it all started at the altar. So one Sunday, um, John and I, our marriage was on the rocks, and I went down to altar call, and there was a woman who prayed for me, and she poured into me the things that I needed to hear at that moment. And after service, I felt a tap on my shoulder, and she asked me, hey, are you a part of a life group? And I said, life group? I think I've heard about life groups, but no, I'm not a part of one. And so she literally grabbed my hand and walked me over to the life group leader. It was, it was intimidating. We were nervous, we were scared. From the first moment we drove up to the house, I felt like I had all these butterflies and the questions were, are we gonna fit in with the group? Are they gonna, you know, um, enjoy us? And can we be ourselves? I think that was probably the biggest piece. We were broken and we knew we were broken, but as we walked through those doors, people were so nice. And they took us in and we really had a great opportunity to see what um, a Christian wholeheartedly family looked like. We had an example. And I think that really opened our eyes to see like, hey, this is really what we want our lives to be like. And this is where we want to be. So that was the beginning of restoration for our marriage.
1: You know, I was, she said she was nervous. I was more nervous. Uh, I was more nervous about, you know, I don't know the Bible, I don't know the word, and so how am I gonna contribute? Uh, but when, once we got into the conversation, I realized that I don't need to be the expert, right? Cause that's, nobody is the expert, right? I, I just want, I now know that it's just being a part of something, being part of a family, a community, a group. You know, as we're going through this tough time, um, it was almost like God was speaking to us and had to put people into our lives to help us get through that that season. Um, you know, I think once we joined a life group, it was a great way for me to show Amanda how committed I was, right, in our relationship. But I think what I learned was that it was not only a way for me to show my wife how committed I was, but to show my God how I was committed to Him in growing that relationship.
2: We used to go to church and then we'd leave. We'd go and it was a check the box Once we started getting grounded in our relationships with our Christianly family, we started understanding this is what church is really about. This is what community is about. This is where we've really built a family of our own. This has been life changing for John and I, and I wholeheartedly say that because my marriage, our marriage wouldn't be here today if we didn't join a life group. And so our marriage is has strengthened over this last year. And I feel like every moment that we have to look back at the year and where we've come and where we've been, um, it's just a whole lot of gratitude.
1: If you feel like you're not connected, if you feel like you're just coming to receive and then you're going and you're leaving, Life Group is is a solution, right? God will bring you into the group that, that, that you're meant to be in. Uh, and if it's not the first time, then, you know, try again. I would say is that, you know, we were a part of a life group. Now we're leading a life group and we'll probably be a part of another life group in the future. But it's because God is going to put us where we need to be at that time. I also know that there will be a time that Mm -hmm. there will be a season of pain pain, and there will be seasons of hardship. But I feel much more confident and stronger that when that time comes, that we will get through it because we'll know how to fight through it
2: and it's we're gonna do this together and we're not gonna do this alone and we have christ in the center of everything and as long as he's there we have a victory absolutely and a family that can also pray for us and be there for us because we love our life group like absolutely (laughs) we love them so much
0: I think what it reminds us for every one of us, God has more, and for church online, there'll be a link to connect with to inquire about on-site or in-home or our online life groups. And for those that are here in the audience, Pastor James and a team will, of our life group ministry will be in room 100 as well to talk to you about life group. I guess what I'm saying is, less don't lose with God. Let's get all that God has and go as far as God wants us to go in this season and don't just sit back on the sideline. Let me pray with you. Father, I thank you today and I sense for every one of us there's a calling, a summons to do more and to go deeper in the Lord. And I pray for families. The Holy Spirit wants to draw families closer to the Lord and heal them and strengthen them. God, I pray in the name of Jesus for our men. There is a growth point for our men to go in a deeper experience, particularly in worship, to be able to, to step over some of the reluctance and inhibitions we men naturally have. And God, help us with that. Help us to, to bond with people and help us, God, to experience a deeper dimension of worship and our personal lives and I pray your blessings and favor upon your people in Jesus name amen